Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm your host, Robin Goldsmith, Healthcare Innovation Principal and a member of our Healthcare Insurance and Life Science practice here at Verizon. So we're going to kind of take this show back to where we started and really address a topic that I think doesn't get the attention it really deserves, which is health equity. And I'm joined by my co-pilot for what will be a summer series, my friend and colleague, Courtney Schoon. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robin. I'm so happy to be here. So why don't we start with just talking about the accelerator that you are a key part of and just give the folks listening just a quick rundown on that. And then we're also thrilled to have Adriana Kansu from Revelix join us and we'll have you jump in. And I think I'm really excited about the conversation. So Courtney, go ahead. Sure. So Robin, I'm, as you know, part of our corporate social responsibility team. And in my role, I really um, am charged with looking for opportunities that where we can drive significant social impact and align to Verizon's business strategies. And, you know, we really believe that the power of technology um, can address big societal challenges and that if we can enable innovation that drives impact, that's that's part of our role. And that is what um, led us to start the Forward for Good Accelerator program and um, where we are looking for emerging solutions that are using advanced technology to address key societal issues. And this last year, we were fortunate enough to run a cohort focused on the topic of health equity and really um, work with seven companies who are looking at ways to expand access to healthcare and improve outcomes for underserved populations across the country. And we're really excited to have them come in and talk about their experience, their expertise on the issues and the work they're doing to address them. We appreciate you being here. Just a quick intro for on you and Revelix, and then we'll jump in. Sure. Um, well, thank you for asking me to uh, participate. Um, my my company is Revelix, um, but my background is clinical. Uh, at Revelix, we're solving uh, a problem of amputations and wounds in people with diabetes. And so we have a tech-enabled uh, point-of-care mobile application that essentially simplifies the foot health check. Uh, which is really the foundational step to, to getting uh, risk identified early enough to, to actually um, get ahead of complications like diabetic foot wounds um, that can lead to amputation. So I'm happy to talk more about that, but the, 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 the emphasis here is to actually make an impact on something that has long been underserved. Um, so I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. No, thank you. So let's start with kind of, you know, when we talk about health equity, I think that term is such a big term, right? And it means something different to everybody we talk to. So Adriana, I'm going to throw it to you. So health equity, what does that really mean to you? Yeah, health equity does get talked uh, about a lot. Uh, I agree. And, uh, you know, for me, it's health equity was before the term was there. It was just this uh, obvious recognition. I'm Again, my background is clinical. Um, and so health equity was about a couple of things now that I think about it from the tech solution and, you know, how you solve problems. 
Um, so there's a lot of A's in there. So I think about awareness, uh, just the fact of being aware, and then this is across the entire you know population, just the awareness that there's disparities in the way that people um, experience healthcare, have access to. So then the next A, access. And so awareness, access. Um, and then the third thing that we think about is agency. You know, someone having agency for their chronic condition. And I think that's actually one of the things that I'd love to talk about more is how do you get people to understand their vulnerabilities in a way that is empowering um, and not overwhelming? Chronic disease is huge. Um, which if I talk about diabetes, you know, so there's agency and ultimately all of this is impact. Are we getting the outcomes that we are expecting from the healthcare system and all the resources that we are um, investing into, into care? So the health equity is really having the ability to address all of that. And then every person, regardless of your economic status, you know, race, uh, location, being in rural communities, um, has all of those at their disposal. Um, and so that's that's the way I think about health equity. It's very multifaceted. Oh, I love it. That there was a lot to unpack there, Ajana. So I love the term agency. Would you equate that with kind of owning your condition? I, I yeah, you know, owning is a part of it. And I think, um, but to get a little bit behind that is what in the world would give you the um, confidence to own something so big and who exactly owns it? And so in creating this partnership, but I think ownership is part of it. And I would say um, some of the things that we've done is everything that we've done in our, in our technology is to really, it's on purpose. So you want to recruit the types of behaviors, incentivize them to actually make it, make it as personal as possible. So if they said, you know, what matters to you about your diabetes? What matters about you? I'm focused on keeping your feet attached to you, you know, so what can we do to help you stay active and help you avoid these complications? And as you leverage behavioral health, um, you know, behavioral psychology, you can recruit people to have more self-agency for their conditions. Got it. So I'm kind of a nerd. So I, uh, self-professed nerd. Um, so I'm going to, I love an origin story. I love, you know, I grew up reading comic books. So Adriana, let, let's kind of take a step back. I know we, we got excited and jumped in probably ahead of ourselves, but let's take a step back and kind of, I, you know, one of the things I really that impacted me when I had the great opportunity, Courtney, Courtney asked me to join and be kind of an advisor and help any way I could with the with the accelerator that you were part of. And what I found so interesting and meaningful was kind of your own lived experience and how that impacted you to drive you to to create a company, you know, bootstrap it, find money, which is a Herculean task. And and now, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, it's it's tough to raise money. We all know that. So take me back to when you started Revelix and, and give me that that origin story, if you would. Yeah. So you covered a lot of ground. It's like, oh, that, that was my life. It just flashed before my eyes as a founder. Um, <laughs> you know, the journey, it's it's to look back on it, um, I think it comes down to, and, and, I, and I'll just say one of the most, uh, the reasons that I think being a part of this program was so impactful, um, because it does come down to why in the world would you take on something so big? And um, uh, and it comes down to the origin story and the mission. You know, I am a clinician at heart um, and I'm also board certified as a wound care specialist. I started my career um, intentionally working in the trauma center in Austin, Texas, which served, I think it was seven or nine of the counties. So we, my, I started really looking at the underrepresented communities who maybe didn't speak you know, English as their first language, didn't have resources. And my goodness, um, I, I was part of the wind care team. 
we were able to serve um, so many people by just being uh, as crafty as, as we could to make sure that they did not um, lack in the types of services that we were able to provide. But seeing disproportionately the fact that people were coming in so late to care uh, for something that I knew the evidence, and this was back then, I'm talking about you know 25 years ago, the evidence for prevention was to identify, to get the foot check done for someone with diabetes, a basic foot health inspection done so that we could start the proactive care um, early. So that I saw not being solved then. So fast forward 25 more years, you see technology improve. You see these, these uh, the evolution in uh, capabilities. My second, I left that job at the hospital to go work um, for another startup, which I didn't know, I followed my friends. But what I learned about myself is really, I'm an operations uh, person at heart. I love, love to simplify complexity. So it's why I thrived in the trauma hospital. It was so complex, but it's also why I, I thrive in operations. So built a lot of the infrastructure to drive clinical best practices through an organization. And we grew that tremendously. That was taking you from you know paper-based documentation of what is happening on the at the patient side to digital uh, thing. And so, you know, to, to take that to where we are now is really continuing to figure out how can we continue to drive clinical best practices to reach the most people with the, with the, the few resources that we have. So I look at it as a, talking about nerd, it's a systems level approach. Healthcare is a massive system. So to solve it, you have to think about there will never be enough wound care specialists. There will never be enough, you know, podiatrists. There will never be, there will be more and more need. And all of this is true. So to solve that, you have to go way back to first principles. Like, what's the job to be done? I follow like Clayton Christensen, you know, the job to be done is to just, how can we simplify? It's like, let's get the foot check done. So everything about the technology is like, how do we actually get that that done? So I, I'm, I'm driven by, you know, uh, a lot of things, but it's ultimately to make a difference in something that I know very well. Yeah. And and we we need more folks thinking like you, Adriana. And thank you for sharing sharing the origin story. What I picked up from there is you identified something that you were seeing day in and day out. And, and your expertise was we can intersect earlier and prevent a lot of folks from losing losing a limb which is incredibly powerful. And, and why, why wouldn't we have done this, right? Why does it take you starting a company to, to address this and really try to solve this? So thank you for doing that. Um, Courtney, anything to add? Yeah, I was just gonna ask Adriana, if you could expand on you know, what you're talking about, really being able to expand access and earlier and how the technology works and what the evolution and new technologies is allowing you um, to do and bring to your solution to be able to achieve that goal. Yeah, sure. Um, so what we've done is we've built, um, like I said, it's a point of care mobile application. So it takes a, a, a uh, you know, your mobile device, the iPhone and a, a camera, an infrared camera that plugs in. So essentially we've developed um, smart thermal uh, imaging uh, technologies that is paired with a risk stratification tool. So within 60 seconds, the idea is that someone, a healthcare clinician can use Revelix um, with their patient. Um, they, they take pictures of the patient's feet um, and you're looking for the temperature patterns that matter to foot health. So it's enough of a heads up. So I like to describe it almost as like the weather radar, but for foot health. So you kind of can see, are there, are there, you know, is there a storm that might be brewing on the horizon, you know, of skin temperature? And then in addition to that, because we're able to, to use what is the evidence for um, identifying, you know, is somebody at low risk, moderate risk or high risk? 
the basic things that would go into a, uh, a foot health inspection get put into the software and the clinicians and the patient get a, a real-time report that's personalized to them. So we'd say, you know, Robin, you know, we looked at your, your we checked for pulses. We looked to see if you had intact sensation. We looked for different things that we might be worried about given, you know, diabetes. Um, and it looks like, you know, we didn't have, there were no risk findings. So you're still at very low risk. This is your general, this is your personal health plan that gets taken, uh, you can walk away with. Um, but it's something that helps you actually connect the dots to, well, uh, did the doctor actually do anything when they looked at my foot? It's a common thing I hear from patients. So like, they didn't do anything. I was like, actually, they did. Let me help you, uh, you know, tell the story. Like, your doctor did a lot. Here's what you can do between visits. And here's why they want you to come back in six months and not 12. Um, so it's making it very personal to, to have a good health uh, report. So I kind of had some thoughts on that, Adrian. So using this technology, which you said 60 seconds to, to do this scan, which is incredible to get glean information that's actionable, right? So we don't have enough podi podiatrists, right? I'm sure just like every other specialty, there's not enough docs, not enough nurses, everyone's struggling with, with staffing shortages, healthcare is being impacted profoundly. And then you throw in rural health where folks might have to drive 50 miles to see a podiatrist. So do you see your technology being utilized by nurse practitioners, general practitioners, you know, as a tool to say, okay, I'm going to check out, you know, as a doc, Robin, yeah, Adrian, I'm going to check out your, your foot health. If we find anything, then I'm going to refer you to and take action, get you in to see someone immediately. Do you kind of see that as like the, the optimal state and what it's really addressing for health equity, right? Access. That's that's exactly it. I mean, uh, Robin, that's a that's a, a perfect setup because that is ultimately you have to kind of reverse engineers. Like, what does it need to do <clears throat> on a population level to actually move the needle to really go from um, you know if you look at diabetic foot health, the way that we we look at it is um, two sides: You've got first mile and last mile. And my entire career um, and all, a lot of my colleagues, you know, we're, we've been focused on this last mile, which is investing and spending all of our time and resources on treatment. So what that says is, well, we're getting to feel so late that the evidence shows, you know, that 75% of it can be avoided if you can get the foot risk identified early enough. And in fact, the ROI is there. $1 spent on prevention can, can save 50 times that downstream. So that is the goal is we've, we're, you know, we're early stage. We are um, really at a point where we focused on podiatry first because they are the ones who immediately, you know, they understand use of temperature. So they've done a great job uh, to help with, with our beta product. We're now shifting out of that and, and launching into the market. Um, and what that allows us to do is go from podiatry to connect to primary because primary prevention is where it's at. When we start, and these are the conversations that we've, we've, we're having now, which I love. So it's exactly what you said. It's because the primary prevention folks need the fastest way to help. You know, they've got 20 minutes or 15 to uh, take into account the entire risk profile of someone with diabetes and everything else. Uh, the foot health is a part of it. So if we can help them say, look, you're, the patient's there during these 60 seconds. Let's help you capture the risk profile. The documentation is there. The reporting is there. You're going to get credit for everything you've done with them. And that's the hard part. Now it's worth it for them to actually make sure they get the foot checked on. The patient also has the opportunity to come out with their, their you know, health report. So that step doesn't have to be in the doctor's office. It's also another reason why Verizon's, uh, you know, the health equity program was so important to us. It's because we need to be able to reach those hard to reach uh, communities. We need for that data to be moved very seamlessly from rural 
to the podiatrist. And I'm actually at the National Conference for Podiatry uh, today. This is where I am. Yeah, yeah. So we we were just recognized as one of the top 10 uh, innovations in the industry. So it's a big deal. But what that's the goal is to connect primary to uh, podiatry and start to shift to that first mile. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I kind of hear you talk, it seems like what you're doing and how you're thinking about it is right in line with, you know, I think what we're trying to do with this move from fee for service to value based care, right? We how, how can we intersect often and earlier to prevent these terrible outcomes, prevent people from going to the hospital emergency room. So I love it. I mean, I think you're super well aligned. I think we just need more people to to keep pushing to get to value-based care, healthier care, and away from this sick care model. Um, so, you know, I, again, I was part of the, the accelerator. Love to hear from you kind of about the experience and, and, and Courtney chime in here, you know, the detail. And it was 14 weeks, you know, we took in hundred applications. We narrowed it down to seven. And I think the criteria was the companies had to have health equity is really the driving, you know, center of the, the puzzle, if you will. Um, we saw a lot of great companies that just didn't have that, you know, core component of health equity at the center. Um, so if you could speak to that and kind of the experience, I'd love to hear, hear your kind of firsthand experience. You know, from, from my experience, um, it's really one of the best programs that I've been a part of, and I've been a lot of, a part of a lot of programs. So that's great. You know, so you have opportunities to be surrounded by, uh, different, you know, uh, parts of the ecosystem that you need to solve for uh, as a company in healthcare. So, but what really stood out for me with the Verizon program was the authenticity of the, the uh, stakeholders who were coming to the table. They, you had already, they had already opted in to solving the hardest part of healthcare. So healthcare is daunting no matter which part of it that you try to interact with. Um, and Robin, to your point, the end of the day, the technology is not the barrier, it's the enabler. One of the things that you have to solve is the business model. And being, sometimes being in a fee-for-service world, which we are today, and we are seeing you know, this evolution in, uh, uh, going into the value base, is how do you get a, ultimately a population-based uh, solution, having that kind of impact to be pulled in um, to a fee-for-service world? And you need to have access to the types of um, individuals who are sitting in these very uh, large, um, you know, populations understanding like this is a challenge. We are spending an inordinate amount of um, uh, money on amputations and wounds, and we much prefer to keep our patients healthy. So having those access, access to those folks means a lot. For us, it really was uh, the opportunity to open doors for conversations that I know are going to be very uh, meaningful. They already have been for Rebilix and for the work that we do. So that's great to hear. Courtney, do you have any? Yeah, I mean, Adriana was one of the sort of stellar participants who really, I think, soaked up all the things that we were able to offer. You know, she attended every workshop, came, you know, took advantage of all the mentor meetings. Um, And so I think, you know, often these experiences are as much as what you put into them as what you get out of them. And I think um, Adriana was a great example of, of how she utilized all those resources available to her. And um, I would love to hear, you know, you've kind of been through this process. You have just been recognized um, as a top innovation where, I mean, I know you made a lot of progress through the course of the accelerator and an exciting inflection point. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's next for RevealX? 
Yeah, uh, I'd love to. Uh, it is a very exciting time for us um, at Revealix. I mean, this has been a, a long time coming. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, you can imagine being a founder in any industry. Uh, so it really is um, an exciting time because I feel like the this is the moment where we get to actually um, deliver on the promise of prevention um, that has just been sitting there waiting. Um, and so um, for us, we are now uh, exiting, you know, from our, our beta uh, testing and going into launch our solution into the market. So we're uh, we have a, a initial uh, target population in podiatry. We're talking to the primary folks. We're getting our pilot uh, partners lined up. We have some very exciting interest. What I would say from what I described today is like the pinnacle, like the pinnacle of diabetic foot health. And uh, we're having those kinds of conversations. So I, I'm very happy about, uh, you know, where we are today. And I think that some of the relationships that uh, we also made through the Verizon uh, Forward for Good program are also uh, something that I'd like to be able to continue on, uh, moving towards, um, you know, the next goals that we have with the company, more pilots and of course the investment as well. But this next, this next um, year, as we enter the market is really about uh, demonstrating the impact. I mean, I, I understand the goal that we have as a company. Um, I'm very confident and we can do that, especially with the partners that we have in place now. Gotcha. So <clears throat> I'm going to add a question. Um, you know, I think your story is so powerful and all the stories of the, the participants in the cohort was so great to hear, right? That lived experience. How can I make it better for, for large, you know, populations prevent, you know, these things from happening. For health equity and, and folks that are, you know, in a very, you know, seed round stage, thinking about a solution and trying to bring it to market, do you have any advice of kind of where you would start? Kind of just because you're you're obviously now, you know, you were there and you've you've accelerated and you're seeing growth and you're you're getting a lot of traction. Any advice for folks out there? Uh, yeah, I have a, a lot of things that I've done uh, wrong that I think I'm a really great, yeah. I have a really great source of like, here's what I'd like to save you, you know, a couple of years and how are um, But one of the things is, you know, before you think, I, I mentioned capital, uh, before you raise, you know, financial capital is to raise a social capital, you know, build your network of um, uh, people who can be there, not just for the immediate needs, but down, you know, one year from now, two years from now, which is why this program was so so valuable, because it isn't that we can do something right now. It's really in a year from now and a two, I, I guarantee that these are going to be the people that will play a meaningful role for us, um, but raise social capital. But the other is to understand all the other uh, parameters. So if you're, um, you've got to have a couple of layers of expertise somehow built around around you. So if you have academic expertise, that's great. Now you need to have exposure uh, and firsthand experience expertise. If it's not going to come from you, surround yourself with the people who can augment all these different areas. So it, it really comes down to uh, immersing yourself as much as possible into the ecosystem. Um, there's really no way to do it other than roll your sleeves up and you know get out there. Yeah. You got to, you know, to, to do it, you have to do it and build a team around you that can support the mission and, and drive. So thank you for sharing that. Um, this is kind of a loaded question, but, you know, seeing you guys and what your missions are and the seven, you know, participants in the cohort, I know you guys are very close and, you know, I'm sure you had these conversations, but <clears throat> it seems like, you know, I was lucky enough to be at a health system a few weeks back and, and their chief innovations officer said, we're at an inflection point in healthcare. And I love that term because I, I've kind of, I've heard it a lot of, you know, in different ways, but I love that inflection point. 
then coming out of the pandemic, where now innovation has been accelerated in a huge way, you know, what do you see kind of, what's your idealized vision in the next, you know, five, 10 years moving out? What would you like to see happen? I mean, I think we all saw telehealth adoption. That's kind of what everyone points to. And now we're looking at remote patient monitoring and, you know, continuity of care into the home, extending expertise into rural areas like we were talking about earlier. Um, how You know, so I'd love to hear from you, you know, what your kind of idealized version of healthcare or, or any things you would like to see happen in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Absolutely. Um, inflection point is a really important, I, I mean, I, I'm the uh, that resonates very strongly. And uh, it's also the other half of what I say is like there needs to be a paradigm shift. Um, and what we're talking about and when we're saying that is like the path that we're on in healthcare is unsustainable. It's unacceptable. Um, and it's even more so. And I will say, you know, a lot of times people will think, okay, you are innovating for the for the patient. And of course you, you are. You're thinking about the people who have, you know, diabetes who need to have the means to avoid these complications, all these complications. But the way that you do that is also through the healthcare system. These clinicians, doctors, everyone who's out there on the front lines, that is who I think about. My heart breaks for how hard it is. And I know, uh, and I will speak for my own side, it, there's no more uh, better privilege than actually being able to be with a patient. And the impact that you have in all your years of experience, all that you bring to that, we need for technology to make it easier for them to deliver that care um, through technology. So when I think ahead, it really is about technology being an enabler of having that clinician or physician, you know, be present, seeing the patient, allowing them to give their very best, you know, um, uh, medical, you know, insights and care in that moment, and do that in a value-based system. And there's no other, there's no other way. There's just no way. It's we're on it. We're it's unsustainable. Um, and I think I know that we can do better. I know that we all. I know that it will. Um, and I think that programs like what we've been a part of are really part of that uh, paradigm shift and the inflection point. I think this is it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Adriana. Courtney, any, any final words? No, Questions? I just want to no? say thank you to Adriana for participating, for being uh, such a wonderful member of this community. Um, I love your commitment to your issue and to the tech plus touch approach you have um, and look forward to seeing all the growth that your company is going to have. Well, thank thank you so much. It's been it's been an amazing experience, and I'm very uh, happy to have you and uh, my my network and on my side. And I'm I'm looking forward to continuing these conversations. Adriana Cantu, thank you, founder CEO of Revelix, Courtney Schoon, from our CSR team. Thank you both for joining us, and thank you for listening. If you want to hear all these episodes, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Spotify and marketscale.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.